0: I haven't seen Fred for a little while, and some of us know him. Welcome along, Fred. Fantastic. Any other guests tonight, and maybe you're here, uh, haven't been for a while? Is there anybody hasn't been for a while and they're here? Hey. Oh, yeah, sure. Thanks, Naomi. Fantastic. But make sure you say hello to this guy. He's a great guy. <laughs> Let's take your seats tonight. Welcome, everybody. Hey, thanks, team. Brilliant. I'm going to just come down here because it seems too far up there on a Sunday night brilliant okay you know uh, this time of year of course is uh, we're about to uh, we're in the christmas season aren't we it's always a lovely time to uh, come and of course some of us will have holidays who's on holidays already anybody on holidays already uh, some people Yeah, great fantastic already you're permanently you? no, no. no no it's a uh, it's a great time because uh, take opportunity uh, to celebrate family to uh, often there's a meal involved isn't there that everybody enjoys and uh, of course the reality is is we don't want to lose sight of why Christmas is Christmas and even though we know the fact is that Jesus wasn't really born on the 25th of December uh, we do know we do have to choose some date and uh, why not celebrate it uh, on the 25th some date so the 25th of December is it but uh You know, it's a great opportunity. You know, as we celebrate such a joyous occasion, I want to just take you back a couple thousand years tonight for a moment. And uh, would you just see the reality of the birth of Jesus was certainly a joyous occasion for many people. It was a joyous occasion uh, for uh, Mary and Joseph, the birth of their son. Uh, Oh, thank you, Dale. Uh, The the reality was is that... uh, uh, it was a joyous occasion uh, for the shepherds as they heard the angels, as they saw the angels in the sky and the angels proclaimed that the glory to God, peace on earth to, and goodwill to all men. And, and of course, the shepherds then went and found Jesus in Bethlehem as the star led them. And then the wise man came from the east. And, you know, this didn't all happen in one night necessarily. It happened over a period of time. And so for them, it was quite a joyous occasion. But you've got to appreciate in the midst of great joy at this occasion, there was also great turmoil and there was also great heartache. Uh, because uh, uh, sometime after the birth of Christ, thankfully when Jesus had uh, escaped to Egypt, because Joseph had been warned in a dream uh, that uh, take Jesus to Egypt, get him out of uh, Bethlehem. Uh, of course, Herod, because uh, of the great turmoil and in his own heart and uh, thinking that Jesus was a king that could take his place, how ridiculous. I mean, the man must have been so, uh, so insecure and jealous. And then, of course, he gives the command and every boy under the age of two was murdered. So, you know, uh, Christmas in that period of time, wasn't always that exciting for some people. Would you agree? There would have been weeping and heartache and grieving for many families around that time. It all didn't happen on the night, of course, of the birth of Christ. So there was some turmoil. And, um, uh, of course, uh, the world was never the same after the birth of Jesus Christ. Never the same. Uh, And the world has been changing ever since. And, you know, we live in some pretty horrific times still today. And even in this last 12 months, we've seen, of course, what's unfolded and the attacks on Paris. And, and some, time ago, some time ago, there was, a, there was even turmoil in a way in Sydney uh, with an attack on the, uh, in the restaurant there. And things were happening, people died. You know, and, and I'm not here to give us all the woes of the earth, but I'm just saying that there's turmoil. There's turmoil, isn't there? And Jesus' birth brought a certain amount of turmoil that changed the world forever. And, you know, I'd like to, like to see, I'd like to be, uh, I think if I was there, I would have been on the side of uh, rejoicing. And I believe we probably would have been, and hopefully that would have been our case. That We would have been excited to see the Savior. And they proclaimed something about Jesus. They said uh, that he was the Messiah, which means Savior. And so there was a lot of hope in Israel that this was finally the king who was going to rise up. And of course, it wasn't going to be an earthly kingdom, was it? It was going to be a kingdom in the hearts and lives of men and women. And you're a part of his kingdom, it's not some building. His kingdom it's not some earthly king. it's the hearts and lives of people that christ has uh, has placed himself now through the holy spirit and of course we take his kingdom forth and so uh, jesus the messiah was born and you know the roman empire which jesus was born into is gone it's come and it's gone but you know the fact is jesus still remains it's good isn't it jesus still remains and for those who believe in him now, we number over, over 2.1 billion people believe in Jesus Christ. There's, only, there's somewhere over 7 billion people on the earth. And they say over 2.1 billion people now believe in Jesus Christ. I reckon that's pretty exciting, isn't it? And so this man has impacted, this little boy grew up and he's impacted the world like no other leader has. I mean, we've had our Mohammeds and we've had our Buddhas and we've had even the great leaders of the world, Mahatma Gandhi and all those wonderful leaders. But I tell you what, no one has done what Jesus Christ has done and yet he only lived for 33 years. That's incredible because the spirit of Christ now dwells in us. And he dwelled in the first disciples, he dwelled in the early church, and, and the Holy Spirit was there, impacted people so much uh, that he, then they took the message to the world. And uh, billions of people now have received that message and accepted him as Lord and Saviour. But, you know, I want to tell you why they've accepted him, because he did change the world, and uh, he changed it for the better. And he continues to do that in the hearts and lives of people. And I want to just talk about how did he change the world. How, did, how has he made a difference in the world today? And you know, the first thing that I see about Jesus and how we changed the world is he came to give and not take. He just came to give. Uh, you know, sometimes we see that we're changed uh, because something is taken from us. Uh, maybe life is taken, hope is taken. Maybe this year uh, we've lost something that's uh, important to us in some way. And because of that loss... Things have changed for us. Uh, The good news is when Jesus came into the world, he changed the world because something was given, not taken. I know people lost their children through that cruel act of Herod. I know that happened. But reality is Jesus never came for that purpose. He came to give and not take. I reckon that's brilliant. You know, if you believed in some religions today, it's all about what you can give them and and what they can take from you, not give to you. And Jesus Christ came to give. The angels actually declared it uh, in, when they were talking to the shepherds with the good news that there will be great joy to the people. And Isaiah the prophet actually said, said this, um, For unto us a child is born, for unto us a son is given. There we go. He was given. He, 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 didn't, uh, he, he came willingly God gave him willingly. He was given for us. He didn't come for his um, just because he had enough. He had enough of heaven, or he wanted a holiday, or he needed to change the scenery. Jesus Christ, uh, you know, from heaven, he didn't. He came for the express purpose of giving his whole life for us. It wasn't. Uh, it, uh, it wasn't because he was sick of heaven. It was because he was. He wanted to see earth changed. God wanted to see earth changed. Because he could see the wickedness upon the earth and he knew Jesus was the answer. And so God sent Jesus into the world not to take from us, but to add to us, to give to us. And you can always determine good from bad. Good always wants, good always wants to give, bad always wants to take. And uh, giving, cha- uh, giving changes the world for good, not bad. Would you agree? You know, this Christmas... We have this wonderful tradition, a rich tradition, of giving gifts. It's a good thing, isn't it? I love it. You know, I always end up with one gift in Christmas. You know, it's always great to receive gifts. And it's a great tradition because we want to add something to someone else's life. You know, I want to tell you, God wrapped Jesus up and put, gave him to humanity. I tell you, it was the best gift you could ever receive this Christmas. You know, I've just, I've just been praying and, and contemplating these last couple of weeks because I'm about to go and spend time with my family. And, you know, the reality is some of them, um, they kind of acknowledge God, but they never have really received him into their life. They've never had that encounter with God. And, and I've been praying, God... You know, you know when you come to Christmas time and you come to the family time together, maybe some of you will have this scenario outplayed in your home and, and you'll have this beautiful, all this food. And, you know, when you come to that point, and my family are at least willing for me to say grace. And so I'll stand up and I'll say grace. And i have been just thinking of the opportunity, a few minutes I might have before I say grace, to speak to my family about Jesus. And I just think, Father, give me that opportunity. Because the reality is is until they really receive him as their Lord and Savior just knowing about him is not enough for this gift you know no one takes a gift and says oh that's nice and leaves it on the sideboard and never unwraps it hey we take the gift we unwrap it we receive it we we uh, can consume it if it's food or chocolate or whatever we apply it or we use it if it's something else we never just leave it we we are thankful for it and, you know tonight even here maybe here and Jesus, don't, don't keep Jesus afar off. You know, the gift needs to be unwrapped and received. He's, he's come to give. For unto us the child is born, a son is given. Not to sit on the sidelines of your life, but to let him enter right in. Um, and uh, that's what I want for my family so much. I pray diligently for them and believing for their salvation and their openness to God. And uh, I believe that I'll have that opportunity. See, giving changes the world, doesn't it? And as we look at people, we find them at their best when they're giving. Uh, We feel good when we're giving. Giving's always a great thing, unless you've got a really stingy heart. But I don't think the heart of giving is such an important part of a moral compass, isn't it? Um, I believe it's the part of God's heart to give. And, you know, because we're created in God's image, it becomes such a wonderful thing in our life to give as well and to be givers. And for God so loved the world that he gave his only son. He, it's not like he had several sons to give. He only had one and he gave the one he had. Uh, he gave Jesus. And uh, this Christmas, I pray that we won't forget the reality of that and we'll, let, we'll unwrap the gift of Christ And um, let Christmas Day be more than just food, friends and fellowship. I mean, that's all fun. That's great. Game of cricket in the backyard, swim, whatever it may be, enjoy it. But let's remember the reality of the gift of Jesus. I always remember the movie, and invariably I'll see it sometime on television, of Mr. Scrooge. You know, it, it, sometimes it's come in cartoon form, sometimes it comes in animated form or, or, or real form, but that movie and Mr. Scrooge was obviously a businessman and he was so stingy and he was a Scrooge, wasn't he? Withheld his money, if you know the story, held on to it, never gave out to anybody, Hel- made sure his employer worked right up into Christmas Eve. Remember the story, he didn't let him go early. Many of your employees will maybe let you go early on Christmas Eve if you're working or I'll hope they will but he never did that he made sure his workers worked right up to the last moment and you know and then released him and it was a cold night and the snow and and you know he went to bed that christmas eve and remember the spirit of christmas whatever that is i'd who knows, the ghost of Christmas came and challenged him and scared him and said, you know, stop being so stingy and basically he changed his life around. I'd like to, you know, and he had a revelation that he needed to be a giving person and not a stingy person, you know, and I think, you know, it may we have a revelation this Christmas if there's one reason, if there's one thing you're going to think about Christ, realize he came to give. He came to give and he wants to turn our hearts from that. Maybe that that attitude of what I can get to what I can give in life, and Jesus gave it all didn 't he, and that God doesn 't want us to live that element of uh, well i 'm just going to make sure I get what I can out of life. why not have an attitude this Christmas to give what you can and give life so uh, so I you know the one thing that changed the world because the world is very much a fairly consumer society isn't it what they can get but Jesus says it's all about giving not just getting the second thing that Jesus how his birth changed the world and I love this because he really did bring true peace I think sometimes as Christians we can we we live sometimes in the realm of peace because we know the peace of God and sometimes we can take for granted how much peace we have got I think we can take for granted the peace that Christ gives us in our hearts. And I want to challenge us because you live a day without that peace that Christ provides. And you'll soon start to sense and feel, man, uh, yeah, it doesn't feel good. But, you know, the Word of God just says sometimes we see, you know, we see change in our lives because the stress and anxiety has been thrust upon us or forces our lives to be placed under unnecessary pressure. And that's when we lose our peace, and it causes us, hopefully, to run into God. But the peace that God gives is an attribute of God's nature, and He wants that to be in our lives as well, this Christmas. He changed the world because He was a God, He was the Savior of the world, but He was a peace, He gave peace. You know, there's a scripture in Luke 2, 14, it says, Glory to God in the highest. I mentioned this one this morning. And on earth, what? Peace. And as I said this morning, we don't live in a world of peace. So this peace has got nothing to do with the external circumstances of our lives. It's got nothing to do uh, with what happens in the world and what happens to you. It's got everything to do with what's in your heart. Because, you know, you can live in the most war-torn country. And if you've got Christ and God, Holy Spirit in your life, you can have peace. Who knows that? I've never experienced a war-torn country, to be honest. I pretty much live in generally a peaceful country, don't we? Even though that seems to be changing of late as well. But the truth is, it's got nothing to do with our external circumstances. It's got everything to do with peace inside. Um, The very nature of Christ is to bring peace. Um, His birth was the start of a new time of peace. Not not the, the world as a whole, I suppose, but... Uh, uh, he, he, he brought the whole principle, the whole truth uh, of peace uh, and belief in Jesus Christ does that. Philippians uh, 4.7 is a verse we all know. It says, says this, it says, And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, um, of course, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Uh, there's a couple thoughts there that I just wanted to emphasize to you. It's, it's God's peace and not mine. Have you thought about that? It's the peace of God, not the peace of James Hewitt. I've discovered that my peace isn't really peace at all. But when I have his peace, then man, I have inner peace. I really have uh, his peace about how I do life. So it's the peace of God you need. Uh, And I'd encourage you asking for that peace. Don't just live out of the realm of your life. Because what I think is peace is that when God's peace floods your heart, and Jesus brought that. He, he said, you know, peace on earth, peace in our hearts. Uh, and secondly, it just surpasses all understanding. And obviously, for Paul to write to the Philippian church this simple verse, they, there was times when that church or those people, those Christians, were going to be in turmoil and struggle and disappointment. And, and you've had that this year and you'll probably have it again next year. But that doesn't have to shift your peace. That doesn't have to take, because it says here it surpasses even our understanding. Our understanding can be that we've got a difficulty, we've got something that's not what we enjoy, and we're not happy about what's happening, but God says, I can surpass that, I can give you peace in the midst of that. And I want to tell you that's really good, because when you have peace in the midst of struggle, you then can have make right decisions in the midst of the struggle. And often I've discovered that if I don't have peace, I can make some pretty rash decisions, which I don't really want to do. So Christ came and the way he changed the world is he changed the world and he gave peace. Peace to people's lives. Um, the third thing that Christ done when he changed the world, when he came into this world, when his birth, he arrived as a baby. He established new relationship. New relationship in Christ. And Matthew chapter 1:30. Uh, 23 says the virgin that's mary that means she'd never known any male she'd never been with a another man the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and they will call him emmanuel and i love that title for jesus because it means god with us <sighs> man if we could have a revelation of what that means i mean that is incredible um Because nobody has ever, in any religion or belief system in the world, has ever promised that to their believers, that God would actually be with us, that God would dwell with us, that God would be here for us. Jesus didn't come uh, to live at a distance, He came to actually dwell with me, dwell with me, to be there for us, to be with us, and uh, I'm so glad. Uh, before this time, God was not close to everybody. Before Jesus came, you've got to understand Old Testament simply was that the priest would go into the Holy of Holies and meet with God once a year. And so, you know, God was there. It wasn't, it wasn't like He wasn't involved in people's lives, but there weren't too many people who had first-hand relationship with God. Moses certainly got an opportunity as God, you know, up on the mountain, I mean, God uh, God came and spoke to Jacob you know in dreams and things happened so there was times you know David certainly must have spoken into David's King David's life and as he was a shepherd boy so but the reality the majority of people weren't that close to God in the new the old testament they believed in him it just that did, they didn't get that close but you know I'm thankful that Jesus Christ when he came literally as he died on the cross he said it's finished and Somebody, something, maybe two big old angels ripped this incredible curtain down in the temple that's, that showed opened up the Holy of Holies. And what it was, it was just symbolic of that God is near, God is here, Emmanuel has come. And he's made it possible, no more do we have to have Jesus at a distance or God at a distance, we can be connected. We all love to have relationship. The most cruelest form of punishment for a person, they say, is to put them in um, you know, solitary confinement. Take a person and lock them away for six months. They say that's the worst form of torture for a person. Um, because us being in the nature of God and God being a relational God, of course, has established... Relationship and wants to establish relationship with us, and we want to have relationship. It's a natural thing, whether it's husband or wife or friends or 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 parents and children or whatever it may be tonight. Relationship is such a vital part. Family is so important, isn't it? And that's why it's sad when we see family breakdown, family dysfunction, because God established us for relationship, and the ultimate relationship, of course, is with Jesus Christ. God's very nature is to be in relationship with those He created. And as I spoke this morning, um, he, he wanted to draw near us. And He has. And He wants to continue. Jesus left, the Holy Spirit came. And so, in a re- very real sense, not only did you know, the New Testament believers had Jesus in the flesh with them, now we've, in a sense, got more than that. We have Jesus it, through the Holy Spirit living with in us not just beside us, now we have him in us, his presence, God with us, Emmanuel, God. What an incredible thing, and that's why the Holy Spirit comes. And it's such a driving passion for all of us to be in relationship. I want to challenge you, renew that relationship with your Heavenly Father this Christmas. Because he came to give, he didn't come to take, because he came to bring peace, and he came to establish relationship with us. Um, how vital, how important is the birth of Jesus? You know, Jesus could have come as a grown man. And he could have just all of a sudden turned up on the face of the earth. And bang, and everything could have unfolded. And he could have preached for three years. And then, and then he could have, of course, died and did what he did. But I don't think it would have been as, as impacting but the reality that Jesus Christ come as a, as a baby was born literally in the natural sense, yet conceived in a, a divine way and yet born naturally. Grew up as a baby, had to face the realities of a baby, you know, had to be nursed and cuddled and looked after, had to be nappies changed or whatever they had in those days. All those things would have happened. Grew up as a, a boy, grew up, you know, working in his father's shop as a carpenter. And then, finally, at the age of around 30 or 29 or 30, he started to fulfill the purpose and mission that God had for him. And for 3 about three years, fulfilled that. You know, I think it was powerful that he came as a baby. He identified with humanity. He identified with you and me. He faced the things that we face. The Bible says that he's been tempted in every way that you and I have been tempted. He knows what it is to live life. So He knows what you go through and what you like. In actual fact, He was tempted in every way that you've ever been tempted. That's what Scripture says. And so I think it was a pretty powerful statement of God in a wonderful way that He established relationship through the birth of a baby, birth of Jesus. And then Jesus grew up and, and of course, He identifies with humanity. And one of, one, of the, one of the wonderful things about Christ, if you remember the scene in the New Testament, Jesus, one day before he started his ministry, he went to the River Jordan. John the Baptist had been baptizing people. And Jesus came across John and John said, Jesus, would you baptize, basically, would you baptize me? And Jesus says, no, 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 no. You are to baptize me. And John the Baptist baptized Jesus, even though the reality was, even though the reality was Jesus was perfect, wasn't he? He didn't need to repent for any sin. He didn't need to, you know, uh, repent for anything he'd done wrong. He didn't have to swallow any words that he'd said he wished he hadn't said. He didn't have to go and apologize to people for saying something wrong or harsh. He he had nothing. He was perfect in every way. And the reality was is that we see that Jesus still said, no, John, it's right that you would baptize me. I believe Jesus was baptized. And as he came up out of the water, his heavenly father said, this is my son. I'm well pleased with him. And I think that was a precious and incredible moment. And you know, uh, the fact that a perfect man didn't have to do it, but he did it anyway. He identified with us. And in that baptism, he very clearly uh, showed us several things. And several things that he showed us was is that the necessity for us to identify with him through baptism as well. Baptism talks about a number of things. We identify with Christ. We identify with His life. We identify with His death, His burial and His resurrection through baptism because quite literally as we go into the water, it's our, we die, we're buried under the water, we come up, rise again and, and that identifies with what happened with Christ. We die to our old nature, don't we? So baptism is a wonderful example of what Jesus has done for us. Baptism is in obedience to Christ, because he said one of the last messages he gave to the disciples before he ascended into heaven Heaven was, he said, um, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And you know, tonight we're going to do that. We're going to baptize a couple young ladies, which is very exciting. And so uh, I thought right now, we just actually would like them to come out, and stand with me, and uh, through fear and trembling, they're going to do this, (laughs) because I know both of them, where's my microphone, is it right there, fantastic, good, where are they, there they are, here they are, great, and here's Heather, it's okay, it's okay, you're amongst family. It just, you yeah, amongst family, it's fine, isn't it? Here they are, <laughs> and all the rest of them. But you know, uh, it's a privilege to, uh, especially for Malcolm and Sandy, Michelle and I, to, tonight to see uh, Heather and Lydia be water-baptized, and I think it's pretty special. Uh, obviously, the decision to be, they've been Christians for a while, but the decision to do that has uh come to this point tonight where they want to do that and so i won't say anything else because i'll steal what they might want to say but let me ask the question lydia you're on my left first so why do you want to be water baptized why, why do you want to do that tonight well um when i was younger when i was about five i committed my life to jesus and now i think i'm ready you know to take that step forward with christ and be water baptized and make that decision public and yeah (laughs) okay yeah that's good she said don't ask me any more questions (laughs) (laughs) does it oh i could anyway i won't be mean heather why why do you want to be water baptized i knew she'd steal my answer (laughs) (laughs) Used to repeat it (laughs)